This week on Dig Me Out, it sounded like the same song for 45 minutes. Tim and Jay review Acetone by Acetone. If you had your way, would it stay the same? Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me as always, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, it's episode 233-233 of season 5, and we have a requested review. Requested, requested review. review. Yay! That's the appropriate response, Jay, whenever we have a requested review. Thanks. Uh, this one comes to us from David Weisberg. Uh, long-time uh, commenter and listener of the show, and he suggested to us a band that uh, I was not familiar with other than their name. I don't know if you were familiar with them or not. They're, the band's called Acetone. Uh, not, as my wife corrected me, Acetone. <laughs> Did you really think it was that? I had a momentary lapse of reason no. to quote Pink Come Floyd. On. Oh my and uh, well, here's the thing: when I I get her to do the intros, you know, and I write them all out, and I say, and I always like run through them because sometimes there's weird names, you know. So I go, and this one is. Um, I kind of paused. And I went, ass, ass, acetone, acetone, acetone. She's like, it's acetone gave me the yeah the, uh, you're an idiot tone <laughs> so <laughs> i uh i thought it was bad that for a long time as a kid i thought the band uh sabotage was savage you mean the hall of the mountain king band mm-hmm. hmm i can i can see that with that v in there it throws keith you gives, off keith gives me shit to this day well that's i just what saw friends are for. I, I saw savage Right, mm-hmm. that's the word I saw. I didn't know they were playing off of sabotage. I didn't know what that word was as a kid. Why would you know that? I don't know. I, the Beastie Boys Keith. had not released that album, right? I mean, this song. is like the late '80s, right? Jeez, can't catch a break, man. Kids are cruel. That's that's what the lesson is. So David suggested to us the 1997 self-titled album. By Acetone. I recognize the name. They were not a band I'd ever listened to. J.U.? I want to say I knew the name. It's a very 90s band name, isn't it? Sure. Um, I don't know. I just felt like there were a lot of like, chemicals and uh, whatnot. But yeah, I, I had never heard the band. Well, let's talk about their history. History of the band. So they officially formed in 1992 by guitarist Mark Lightcamp, bassist Richie Lee, and drummer Steve Hadley, although the group had existed in other formations and names as early as 1987 when the trio began playing around Los Angeles. Um, they worked for a, uh, worked for several years with a succession of different vocalists, but ended up keeping it to a threesome. So they recorded some home demos, they signed to the up-and-coming Vernon Yard subsidiary label of Virgin Records, which at the time was home to the bands Low and The Verve. And 
1983, they released their debut album, Cindy, for which they went out and toured with The Verve, their label mates. Nice. In 1995, the group uh, changed their direction slightly and released a seven-track mini-LP called I Guess I Would, which included covers of the Flying Burrito Brothers and Chris Christopherson. So they went in more of a, you should say, a country rock direction on that record. Mm. Mm. They recorded their second full-length album, If You Only Knew, in, and released that in 1996, also on Ver- Vernon Yard Records. Um, they were dropped, however, in 97, and they moved to the independent Vapor Records for their third album, the self-titled Acetone, which we are reviewing. And then in 2000, released their last record, York Boulevard, also on Vapor. So the album was critically acclaimed and was a high point of the band's career, but it was followed by Tragedy J when bassist Richie Lee commuted, committed suicide in July of 2001. And the band has ceased to exist since then. So that is the history of Acetone. If you would like to suggest an album for us to review, please visit our request review page over at digmeoutpodcast.com. Jay, we did not receive any Facebook or website feedback on this record, probably because this is a difficult record to find, to be quite honest. Um, it's not on Spotify. There's no more Groove Shark. Rest in peace. Pour one out for Groove Shark. It's gone. I don't, I'm not a title subscriber. I don't know if it's on there. I doubt Jay Z has uploaded any acetone yet to title. And uh, I don't know what other ones out there. Google Play, Rhapsody, uh, Beats. Maybe Beats, the Beats is dead. Beats is dead. Does that go to? That's in the Apple Store now. It's now, yeah, Apple Music. So I don't know if it's Apple Music has this or not. But uh, it's it's not an easy album to find. In fact, I had to uh, I had to email our old friend Shell at the I Hate the Nineties blog. Shout out to Shell. Uh, she provided this record to us. Shell cool. going back to basically the first season of this, yeah. you know, this podcast. Where it all started. Where it all started. So we need to talk about, Jay, our feelings on this record, what worked, what didn't work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw it to you. Oh, I started last time. Okay. I'll start. I was trying to do that because... Um, <laughs> Why would you want to do that, Tim? Here's the thing. Um, Uh I had a difficult time with this record. Um, You don't say. Yeah. I need to to present an apology to David right up front. There's nothing I like about this record. (laughs) I mean, it's music recorded that that has a pleasant sound. No, that's being a little over the top. I, I do struggle with this record. I listened to this album like 10 times before I realized I was actually listening to it because it mm-hmm. sounded like I would listen to the first song. I would blank out for like 45 minutes and then I would be on the last song and I would go, did I just listen to that record? Mm-hmm. It sounded like the same song for 45 minutes. And I really, I actually had to sit down and not do anything and just listen to the record. I couldn't listen to, I was working. I, it's, this is definitely not mow the, mow the lawn music. Yep. 
I had to just sit down in my chair, put on my headphones, press play on my iTunes, and, and listen to the record. And I, I did find that I was frustrated by the album because I think a lot of these songs are actually interesting and good, but they would be fine if they were on a regular album in which they were the one or two snow songs on the record. Because there's some instru- interesting instrumentation. There's a pedal steel that comes in here or there. Or there's some interesting guitar work or some cool bass lines. And I liked all that. But basically until the last song, um, Chew, the entire record is slow. Mm-hmm. And I understand that slow core is an album or is a, is a, a, a genre that can be applied to this band. But I got a little excited when I was reading the biography of this band. And they were talking about how they'd been influenced by the Flying Burrito Brothers and, you know, this late 60s alternative country sound that started to make a revival in the 90s with bands like the Jayhawks and Uncle Tupelo and later Wilco and Sunvolt, you know, other bands later on with Whiskey Town. So I was going into this thinking, oh, we might have ourselves a lost Jayhawks or a lost Uncle Tupelo. But it's very subtle, those influences. And really it's more in the ballpark of a band called, or band like Low, which I am, it's not a band I've ever really gotten into. I'm not into the slow core sort of sound, but I, I do appreciate a slow song done well. But in terms of this whole album, I found myself having a very difficult time connecting to it. Jay, yeah. what are your thoughts? Exactly the same. And <laughs> I was actually hoping that you would be the opposite for me because, oh my goodness, uh, I listen to this record a lot. Um, this is not for lack of trying. And I totally agree that if one or two of these songs were on a uh, a different record with different tempos and just you know different feels and more variety. Uh, I probably would like them a lot. and 12 songs of this it is uh, sleepy time mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it, it was very very hard to listen to more than two or three songs and stayed truly engaged you know yeah. I felt found myself wandering doing other things even like 
not on purpose, just changing the song. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'd have it on I'm like, all right, I'm gonna sit down and really focus on this record. And I'd be, you know, find myself doing something else. And then I'd, I'd go over to, to my Amazon player and I would, you know, choose a different song. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, it's a completely different album. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be focused on this. Let me go back. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, um, there, there's some interesting, uh, guitar and bass interplay. I mean, I guess if I'm going to play up the positives here, um, there are some interesting chords and song structures, but at the same tempo and with the same delivery and for all of the vocals to be like so whisper quiet and just barely there, um, so hard so hard to grab on anything or be moved by it in, in, in any significant way. Um, I don't know. I, I, I was, I was intrigued by the, the little bit of um, bits of, uh, I guess it's maybe pedal steel or I don't know if it's slide guitar with like a, yeah. Um, I think, I don't know what it's called, but there's a particular kind of like, I think they make it telecasters like this where you can like, um, I think, um, Keith Richards might use one and some blues players might make them every, use them every now and then where you can kind of, there's some, some, some setup where you can like pull the string near the bridge, like the, the F string and like make it almost sound like a pedal steel. Cause you're kind of bending it. Hmm. I don't know if they're doing that or if he's playing pedal steel or what's going on there, but you know, those bits and parts are, are interesting. Like when it kind of takes a country twang, uh, twang, but Mm, there's just no meat to it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm, what am I missing? Well, no, I mean, you know, it's, it's personal preference, what it really comes down to. And if, if you don't connect with it on an individual level, it's, it's going to be hard to find positive things to say. You know, I, I think what I was missing was melody from the vocals that pushed it over the top of just being sort of a slow droney, band and this would be a perfect opportunity to introduce like a female harmony mm-hmm. i think that would have pushed these songs so far over the edge yeah. that it could have you know i'd almost like to remember when um the the bass player from the uh from red cross he uh took white blood cells by the white stripes and he added bass to all the songs mm-hmm. and uh called it red blood cells i'd almost like to hear like Jenny Lewis or um, someone like her get their hands on this record and just like add their own vocal melody or not vocal melody, but their own harmony to all the songs just to hear what it would sound like because it would just be a simple thing like that that I think would, and it doesn't have to be over the top. It could just be a, a real subtle hushed vocal melody, but I think that that would, or vocal part, but I think that that would be like enough to move this, needle from what is essentially like a complete bust for me into maybe more of an EP uh, range in terms of my overall opinion of the record. But without that, I just, I struggled to even like latch on to anything going on in the songs. It was like, it was so ethereal and so light and so just barely there that I couldn't even, I was having a hard time focusing like, did that song end? Am I on the next song? Like, yeah, 
really until the last song, Chew, which is the only like sort of up tempo, not up tempo. It's I guess it's mid tempo. It seems like it's a punk rock song compared to the rest of the album, <laughs> but it's it's really just a mid tempo song. they had interspersed that just a little bit and i don't know if this is what the entire band is or the entire catalog is like um but i also i know sometimes we say you know i'm curious to hear what the rest of the catalog is sounds like i I don't know that i am i mean yeah i i maybe i'll check them out from some time at some point but this doesn't leave me with very high hopes And, and it's been a long time since we've run into a record where i was just completely befuddled by it um and usually it's because it's you know difficult or this, the songs aren't there. Whereas I, I think that there are some songs here. They're just everything is so similar. I just have a hard time discerning one track from the other. Yeah, I think to me, for this to really work, you could leave potentially leave the music as is, which I think is you're suggesting with the with the you know adding the harmony. Um, I would even go step back from that and just say it needs a compelling vocal yeah uh, maybe even the the lyrics and the uh the melody what bits and parts there are it's hard to perceive because it's so delivered with such a whisper maybe that's all fine and just just feel like with music this this slow um I, the way the way I'm going to connect with it is if the vocal is really compelling, and it doesn't have to be operatic or anything crazy, but just something like a uh, some character, some uh, something about it to pull me in um, and compel me. And there's nothing about this vocal that compels you at all. Um, now, maybe if, the, like, again, like we started off this review, maybe if this was a couple songs on a record where, you know, you were you were pulling me down and pulling me in, you know, to an intimate kind of idea space, then it would work. But song after song after song after song of, after song of somebody whispering to you, uh, you know, I, I just want to get away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you say, like, can you just speak normal? <laughs> having a hard time understanding you <laughs> there's no one else here yeah you can I, just talk. i feel like if you listen to a track like uh number six all you know it's one of those that has the i'm pretty sure it's either a lap or a pedal steel and it has the right feel for a great dual vocal it's just not there Just slipped away. Still you go on. 
And he's doing a harmony with himself. It's just that it's so similar. I don't even it might be an octave. I'm not sure. I have to analyze that a little bit better, but he's doubling his vocal, but it's just it's the same voice, so it doesn't really add a whole lot. Whereas if you put I think especially a female voice opposite of him, I think it would have really elevated songs, but other besides that, it's just it's just it's tough. It's a mm. tough it's, it's a tough sell. Here we are. <laughs> uh, I feel so bad. I've tried every angle with this record. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just, I'm at a loss. Yeah, it's, you know, we've been confounded by records in the past. We've given some, you know, decent singles reviews. I don't know if we've ever done it at the same time. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes, you know, if, if you give a decent single review, I go with an EP or vice versa. But I don't know if we've both ever collaborated on um, being as, I guess, let down. Although, if you don't have expectations going in, are you let down? Yeah, I mean, I I guess maybe from the name of the band and the album cover, I also had a little bit of a expectation that this might be a a, a country tinged power pop kind of record. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I saw the hollow bodies and like, like kind of a retro ish design, and a you know band name is like a little Central. velvet crush. Yeah, maybe, you know, or, you know, maybe a little more rootsy than that. But that's the expectation I had going in. And I'm like, well, it was like that. It's kind of like that, but that being like falling asleep and super depressed. (laughs) Like, uh, I mean, I literally, there were a couple times I listened to this record where I was battling keeping my eyes open. Just like that's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. But it, this is a good album. Then, based on that, to if you have a toddler and you want them to go to bed, <laughs> you, you might want to play this in their room. Let's put it this way: like uh, my mother-in-law's in town, mm-hmm. and we would normally kind of play music in the house just because it's distracting. And you know what I mean, you're trying to talk and whatever. I could play this record and nobody paid any attention. Like I had it out playing, going over the Sonos and like it made it through three songs and nobody said like, can you turn it down or I can't hear it. I mean, it was fairly loud too, but like <laughs> it was so in the background and not even noticeable that I was like, it was almost an experiment. Like they came home and I had it on. I was like, I'm just going to leave this on to see if anybody even notices. I was like, oh, okay, that says something. That might be the biggest indictment of this record (laughs) is that you just don't notice it. Yeah. It's so quiet and ineffectual that it it just sort of whimpers on by hoping that somebody will notice, but nobody does. Mm. It's a sad panda is what it is. (laughs) Or as Katie and I have taken to calling True Detective... Sad Detective with the new season that just started because everybody sad. is sad. It was sad. It was even to the point where I'm like that the the, the yeah, motorcycle cop. I'm like they keep projecting this guy sad with the music and the way that's edited, but either that or he's disturbed. But there's nothing they've showed me that says he's sad or disturbed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. 
I'm like, okay, he's a guy that... Other than the massive scars covering his body? Yeah, but I'm like, so what does that mean? That doesn't really tell me anything. Like, a lot of people can have scars for a lot of different reasons. But it was like... usually not a good reason. Why? Well, I mean... it looks like he was in a fire. I know, but they kind of put it like... I don't know. They're trying to project like he's some kind of like psycho or serial killer. He's got some deep, dark secret. But they actually don't show you any evidence other than he takes Viagra. And he right. likes to ride a motorcycle. And I'm like, what is all this, like, you know, you're trying Actually, to Actually, sounds like up. a 45-year-old guy going through a midlife crisis. Right, exactly. Popping Viagra and doing <laughs> and riding a motorcycle. Was there any other real evidence other than a scar on his back, he rides a motorcycle, and he had to take Viagra? Was there anything else of substance that they told you about him? No, but I think that... <laughs> So isn't his character, I'm assuming his character was like ex-military and now he's a cop and he's having a difficult transition. Is that what I was don't implied? Know. I don't know. I think that's what, I, that was what I caught from some of the dialogue. They tried to set up like he did something inappropriate. But he with, really didn't. Uh, but he didn't. So I'm like, okay, he didn't do that. I'm like, okay, he has erectile dysfunction. And... You know, and they're sort of like, I don't know. I felt like the scenes they had him in and the way that they shot it, the music they were using and the tone they were setting. He was like the uh, serial killer from, uh, what is it, Wild Bill or whatever from. uh, (laughs) uh, From Science of the Lambs. Yeah. Like, I kept waiting for like some scene where he's like, you know, he's got his his uh, his decaying mother's body in a bedroom or something. But yet nothing ever happened. I was like, okay, what? What's so deep and dark about this? Maybe TV? he rides the motorcycle really fast because he feels impotent because he has to take the Viagra. Oh my God. I mean, how awful is that? He's a normal American. Yeah. Next thing you know, he'll buy a, um, a large pickup truck. Ooh. <laughs> or maybe a, maybe a Corvette. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we have diverted off the path here. We need to get off the sad detective path and uh, I think back on. I diverted on the right path. And back and back onto the sad album uh, path. Jay, overall uh, rating for this record: Were the album better EP, decent single? This is the definition of the single, man. Like you yeah. put on one one song, and anybody's gonna be like, "Okay." Yeah, you picked the right song. It's, one, yeah, and you're like, "Okay, well, this is the second song on the record of two, so it's gonna be like this." And then the third one, you're like, "Uh oh." So, yeah, definition of a, of a single. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, like I said, I, I liked All You Know, and I liked the, the last song, Chew. So that would be my choice uh, for the single. If you have an album for us to review, uh, don't be per- dissuaded by, by this particular episode. Uh, check out some of our other recent reviews where we have been effusive with our praise. Uh, or... Um, we have provided constructive uh, feedback. What have you, whichever. We're all over the place. Um, But nonetheless, feel free to uh, leave some positive feedback over at iTunes or uh, visit digmeoutpodcast.com, request a review page to request an album for us to review. Jay will be back next week. I have no idea what the episode is going to be. It's a mystery to me and you. Um... But coming soon, we'll be doing our roundtable on uh, influential bands in the from the '90s that are still 
making waves today. And that'll be an interesting discussion. We'll have some guests for that. So that's it. Time to wrap it up. Uh, For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Dig me out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages.